0: Today's program is brought to you by Regional Access. Regional Access is a regional distributor committed to creating sustainable economies throughout the Northeast. For more information, visit regionalaccess.net. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
1: of the morning after I'm your host today Sari Kamen Jesse Kiefer is is a, a memory of good feelings and warmth to me today but she is not here in the studio I miss her very much um, I do have however my colleague Amanda Cargill hosting with me today. Hi Amanda.
2: Hi Sari. Thanks she, for having me. Oh,
1: thank you for being here. She is the food content director of Why don't you explain what you do? <laughs> <laughs> I keep um, messing it up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I am the food content director for Latina Media Ventures, um, and they are the brand behind Latina magazine and then the standalone food property, the LatinKitchen.com, which is sort of culinary wine, travel, all things Latin food and drink related.
1: Fantastic. We're not talking about anything Latin today.
2: (laughs) Completely off limits. I have nothing to say then.
1: (laughs) Um, Although we've brought a Latin expert in, we're not going to be talking about anything Latin. Although we are going to start the show by talking about a certain um, event that's been in the news. And it's cheese, (laughs) which I guess is Latin. It could be Latin, (laughs) but in this case, it's just not. Although this particular cheese is Velveeta, which... Although it's known for queso, Mm -hmm. have you ever
2: had Velveeta queso? I I can't say that I have, Uh, unfortunately or fortunately.
1: Yeah, I have no comment on that as well, (laughs) but... um, So recently I read in the news that there's a shortage of Velveeta cheese. And as many of you know or don't know, all of you millions of listeners out there, um, not only do I co-host The Morning After with the esteemed Jesse Kiefer, uh, I also work at Heritage Radio Network and I write for the news. So those of you who have been to the website to listen to our shows, we also have a whole content page um, of all sorts of different topics ranging from business and pleasure and health and all that. And um, I'm often the person behind creating those pieces. So I did one about the Velveeta shortage. And um, before we really, you know, dip into it. <laughs> <laughs> <Ba-dum-bum>. <laughs> <laughs> Evan, I think you have one, that piece I made on um, this, this shortage of Velveeta. Do you mind playing that for us?
0: Brought to you by the International Culinary Center. Culinarycenter.com. HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Business.
1: Business. With only three weeks left until the Super Bowl, Kraft Foods has announced a shortage of their famous pasteurized prepared cheese product, Velveeta. Before you have a total meltdown, let's review the facts. The cheese apocalypse, as Kraft is calling it, is due to so-called minor manufacturing challenges. The shortage, which is only affecting certain parts of the country, is being tracked by a map in real time on the website cheesepocalypse.org. According to the map, the hardest-hit areas are parts of Nebraska and Kansas, and the eastern seaboard, including New York City. This queso quandary is being amplified by tweets from Velveeta that pose questions such as, Will hashtag cheesepocalypse tear our great nation apart? Or unite us in our love of liquid gold. Let's take a minute to look back at the evolution of this cheesy spread. Velveeta was invented in 1918 by Swiss cheesemonger Emil Frey. Frey was attempting to find a use for leftover scraps of cheese and discovered that by adding whey he had created a meltable product he dubbed Velveeta, named for its velvety texture. It was originally marketed as a health food because of the carbohydrates and minerals found in whey. These days, Velveeta is better known as the key ingredient in a popular dip known as queso. Like chicken wings, potato skins, and other calorie-heavy snacks, queso is a staple at Super Bowl parties across the country. The cheese apocalypse is now, and skeptics are wondering if it might be a marketing ploy developed by Kraft. In the wake of the almost collapse of sriracha and Twinkies, Many who have voiced their opinions on Twitter are convinced that Valveda is claiming a shortage in hopes that consumers will run to the stores and purchase as much Valveda as possible. Valvita seems to be playing up the perils of the shortage, stating on their website that quote the current cheese apocalypse is a difficult time for our great nation end quote. Velveeta is adamant that the shortage is in no way a publicity stunt, but the sticky story is still a little hard to swallow. I'm Sari
0: Kamen for org. Heritage Radio Network is a member-supported non-profit organization. Broadcasting all right, over all right. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> <on> the- <laughs> so um, despite all the puns that I inserted there, I hope that you guys kind of got the gist. So basically, there's this so-called shortage, and I think Velveeta is the one that announced it, um, but... So, in addition to claiming there's a shortage, they've created a website called cheesepocalypse.org. And first of all, I want to know how they got the ORG. I mean, that's crazy. So, it should be like a 5013C <laughs> or something. And they have this live map on their website that is tracking where the shortages are is happening in real time, um, according to people's tweets. And then they're also tweeting things like, will the cheese apocalypse tear our great nation apart? And they're, you know, they're calling it liquid gold. And they're they're kind of like Fox newsing it.
2: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, just based on the story, we, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. And I think there's a couple things going on here. They are denying that you know, it's not actually happening. But the truth is, is that it's sort of a silly campaign that they're rendering. I mean, just the sim- cheese apocalypse using terminology like hardest hit areas. I mean, it has to be tongue in cheek or else you would
1: talk about Well, it's a little bit like hyperbolic.
2: That. Yeah, <laughs>
1: just a bit. <laughs> yeah, just, just a bit. I don't, I don't know that other people refer to Velveeta as liquid gold other than Velveeta itself.
2: <laughs> I think you might be right. <laughs> I mean, it, it's
1: certainly not worth its weight in gold. Um. Yeah, so it's it's almost like they're kind of capitalizing on, you know, recent almost shutdowns. You know, we know Sriracha was in the news lately because their factory almost got shut down and people were like, oh my God, I have to buy all the Sriracha in the world. Yeah, it's, and
2: it's fear-mongering
1: it's for sure. It's fear-mongering and Twinkies. So I tried to get to the bottom of it and <laughs> I called Velveeta. Well, I called Kraft. I called customer service at Kraft and a very nice young man I don't know if he was young he answered the phone and I said you know is there really a Velveeta shortage happening and he had no idea what I was talking about
2: <laughs> so human resources really needs to start spreading the word about some of yeah marketing so campings. I you know I,
1: I I informed him about cheesepocalypse.org and hmm. um you know uh, he told me that there was no shortage so apparently representatives from Kraft aren't aware of this shortage which makes me think that you know maybe yeah there's no shortage
2: yeah, I think you have to consider the source and they are the source. Yeah, they're the source. <laughs> the people who stand to gain the most.
1: Yeah, and they you know, they did call me back and they gave me a media representative's phone number and I didn't actually have time to follow up on it, but I don't know. This yeah, it, it smells. I smell some funky cheese in the house. On say. you're
2: just full of the puns today. I mean. <laughs> you Can't help yourself. I don't know. It was. I think it was our vegan breakfast that we ate, Amanda. Uh, a fantastic vegan. Yeah, breakfast. it really charged I, me up. Yeah, I think I we ate vegan biscuits. Regularly. I think I might be converted now. No, at know. least for the rest of the day.
1: <laughs> at least until you're next hungry. But I
2: do want to. I do want to get back to Velveeta and say a couple of things about this. Number Please. one, I think it's pretty brilliant marketing campaign. Sure, I mean, if you think about it, it's cute and it's not offending anyone. I'm offended. I mean,
1: actually Jack Inslee is offended. Our executive producer is very offended. He thinks that it's completely cynical and you know, it's, it's just not, there's no transparency involved and it's misleading to customers and that's Mm. not okay. I
2: guess I'm of the mind that are people really going to, like, are there going to be riots breaking out in the grocery store? I think that's store? what they want to happen, right? Because I guess for me, being a non-Velveeta queso eater, right. I can't imagine that situation arising. I can't imagine
1: either. But you know, the Super Bowl, true, um, is happening. It's a good soon. point, but um, yeah, I don't well, know. Well, I just want to say real quickly that um, you know, before we get into the rest, that uh, we are doing an interview today with Jordan Luxton. and I just want to see if she's on air. Are you there, Jordan? I am. Hi. Hi. Good. Yeah, How's and I going? want you to get in the conversation.
3: I, I haven't, I, okay, good. I wasn't sure. I wasn't, I wasn't sure either. Here, but I have, you know, uh, I, I was thinking about it just hearing hearing the talk, and I, I have to say that regardless of what the intention is, whether it was fully intentional or accidental, this is absolutely a, a genius marketing tool for, for craft, uh, and because, you know, sometimes in the the realm of the possibility in business for things to go wrong, I often hear and and often say that mistakes are going to happen, but how you respond to those mistakes is really where the true genius lies. So if they notice a shortage and then decided to really turn it into this campaign right before the Super Bowl, I think that that. Is really really smart, uh, or if they decided to try and create this fake shortage to get people anxious and, and get their Velveeta when they can, I think that also was a genius move. So we're kind of regardless of what the uh, the impetus was for it all, it works.
1: Yeah, but do you think it's unethical?
3: Um, you know, I think that I think that it is. Uh, I think that it is so many things. are Did you just beat yourself to out? Food business, I, I <laughs> actually don't. I don't think it's unethical. I think that there are so many things that are subtle and explicit uh, and transparency. Obviously, I think we, we talk, a lot of the times think about like people wanting to be more aware of where their food's, food is coming from, having more transparency around that. Um, uh, but I think the, in, in consideration of the way that they have taken it on and made it tongue-in-cheek and made it kind of this kitschy item and saying there's an element of, of just play and playfulness with it that makes it fly for me.
1: Even though they're denying that they are the ones responsible for, you know...
3: Spreading- a full-out denial. If they are actually, I guess a full-out denial, if they are truthfully the ones making it up, then I then I would get into uh, a bit of uh, my call foul there, but yeah. keeping it vague uh, seems okay for me.
2: I, I agree with you, Jordan. Hi, it's Amanda here. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I think it's a sticky, ha-ha, <laughs> <laughs> running with Sari's lead of the puns. Um, I think it's an interesting situation, though, because, you know, if they admit it, then it kind of loses its fun, and, right. you know, there are so many sort of food crises to actually get concerned about That's right. that um, this one, I think, is kind yeah. of fun, and it's silly, and as I said, I don't think anybody... I mean, what, what is Velveeta made of? Where, how does this shortage happen? Is it on
1: the
3: manufacturing well, think, side? Uh, yes, a- according to them, it's on and the manufacturing also, side. Yeah, and also, what is marketing without some manipulation?
1: Mm, okay. Um, <laughs> so, Jordan, I, you know, I want to introduce you because now you're, like, a t- you're talking and no one knows who you are except, well, everyone who knows who you are. Uh, <laughs> Jordan is the founder of an unbelievable organization called Drive Change, DriveChange.org. Um, it's it's a food truck business. She started this after working at Rikers, the prison, um, with under, not underage prisoners, but I guess you can explain this better, Jordan. Young
3: prisoners. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you go uh, ahead and explain yeah, so, what it is?
1: Although, I, sure, there's sure. one more no. in the news it's, kind you're of doing, topic. You're
3: doing, you're doing great. But no, it's a it's a food truck social enterprise where we are building and operating state-of-the-art locally sourced food trucks that hire and train formerly incarcerated young people, and we are working with an ad, well, adolescent, we're working with 16 to 25 year olds, but I was working with adolescents on Rikers Island, ages 16 through 18, but this young population is actually deemed, uh, criminal adults in New York State, and New York is actually one of two states that automatically treats kids as young as 16 as adults. So that's where the, um, you know, working with this population started getting me thinking about the needs for reentry and support and access to opportunity after release and I have been a food lover for my entire life so the the fit was uh was really perfect
1: Great um so that's who Jordan is we're going to get we're going to get into that in just a minute but um I wanted to to keep including you in our in our chatter here before we get (laughs) into drive change in depth. Um, There's a couple of things we wanted to touch upon (laughs) that are, you know, sort of current in the news that Amanda and I have been talking about. So, um, first of all, Jordan, are you aware of um, what happened at Alinea, which is uh, Grant Akats is? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, restaurant in Chicago where recently he had some people in the restaurant who brought their, I guess their baby and the baby proceeded to scream through the entire meal and for those of you who don't know, um, Alinea, it's a three-star, Michelin-starred restaurant. It's one of the best restaurants in the nation, if not the world. Um, it's all, you know, prefixed. It's very kind of heavy yeah. into molecular gastronomy. It's not kid-friendly. So, mm-hmm. um, Chef Grant tweeted that he was in a bit of a bind or a dilemma, you know, whether or not to let kids in the restaurant because other customers were you know they were disturbed and they were paying thousands of dollars probably to be there um so grant just took it upon himself to kind of like let the let the nation know that he was in a bit of a situation of, of whether or not you know if you're paying enough to be here you should be allowed to bring your kid or you know other people are paying to be here they shouldn't have to be disturbed by your kid so what did what did i don't know if you were aware that that happened this week what did you think of that
3: I wasn't aware of it, um, uh, but, you know, I think it's interesting. I, I do think that there has to be great consideration for the kind of experience that people have and, and uh, also are expecting if they are paying a considerable amount of money to be able to have this experience. Um, and certainly I, I think it would maybe apply just a utilitarian approach to that, that if more people are disturbed than are. Uh, really benefiting from the ability of bringing their children, I would say that that, that having some kind of rule that um, didn't allow young people uh, below a certain age might be an acceptable approach.
2: Yeah, <laughs> You are much more diplomatic than I am.
3: Um, <laughs> <laughs> as, as also not a parent. So okay. I don't know if that... Uh, actually, nope. none of us are parents. None of us are
2: parents, so unfortunately we don't have that. I do have godsons, if that counts. <laughs> <And> I, nope. <laughs> doesn't count. Okay. Um, but I also, <laughs> think that <laughs> I also think that Grant was very... Very uh, diplomatic as well he was very kind in his tweet it wasn't completely accusational mm-hmm. um that said, my feeling is you have two options. If you want to dine out with your children, one Chuck E. Cheese two New Jersey or Long Island. <laughs> I, I, and now all the parents are going to put a hit out on me. Um, but, but really, you know, and I, and I actually think my friends with kids would agree. Um, well, what if it, you know,
1: I'm sure to get a, a reservation at Alinea is probably months of planning. Precisely. What if they had a right. babysitter who canceled the last minute? I mean, it's such a coveted reservation.
2: Unfortunately, that's the choice that you make when you have children. I totally
1: agree yeah yeah okay um,
2: and and then that said the, the converse of that is you know i'm not rich if uh, this might be my one night out of every month or out of every year totally. where i'm treating myself totally. and personally yeah. i don't you know if i want screaming kids i'll go to one of my friend's house who has screaming kids <laughs> yeah um, this is a this is a place for adults and children can learn tableside manners at other locations and then when they're ready and they're of an age where they don't throw tantrums i think you know, that's the time to to bring them out and teach them to put their napkin in their lap. I kind
1: of think, you know, for me, the bar is like, if the restaurant doesn't have any food that's explicitly for children, then children don't belong there. And a lot of restaurants, a lot of high-end restaurants do accommodate children, but that's not Mm -hmm. one of them. And if I was paying whatever amount that it costs to go there, I certainly wouldn't want to hear a screaming kid with my It reminds me of a great
2: Sex in the City episode, which I won't go into, but yeah, huge dialogue about kids and one of the characters gets spaghetti thrown on her. (laughs) And I think that the four main characters were all in agreement. No kids.
1: (laughs) Okay. Um, So that's good. And I also just wanted to say that, you know, Jesse, my co-host, who's not here today, um, we talk a lot about food heist and thefts. Um, And so I read something today, and Jesse, this is for you. I read today that police in Rome were able to... um, round up and, I guess, arrest um, a group of thieves in Rome who have been called, they've been dubbed the Mustard Gang. (laughs) They haven't been stealing mustard, per se, but they've been stealing a lot of money. And the way that they, um, you know, con people, I guess, is they throw mustard at them. And then while the the unlucky recipients are, you know, dealing with, you know, being covered with mustard, like one of the other thieves comes in and, and jacks their wallets. And I guess these people, this mustard gang, have gotten away with almost a hundred thousand dollars and it's mostly in the airport or, you know, tourists just coming in. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to report that the mustard gang is no longer on the streets of Rome. And those okay. of us traveling there, um, well, I guess what I want to say, if, if you have someone <laughs> throwing mustard at you, grab your wallet. Cause that's just weird.
3: <laughs> I wonder weird. if they're throwing mu- like mustard powder.
1: No, no mustard like wow. deli style
2: you know this okay. is this is not food related but I have to say I was traveling in Argentina once and it happened to me I was backpacking so I had a giant backpack on I was on the train on the subway and uh, someone splashed me with um, like a liquid lotion I think it was and it got all over me and it distracted me and yeah. I didn't even look in my my backpack until I arrived at the train station and yeah my wallet had been stolen oh, okay. and I was so you know I think I was more upset about the fact that like they got me I mean I'm in New yeah. Yorker I was like really <laughs> <laughs> but but I don't think this is the first, you know, distraction technique yeah. that's
1: been used. Yeah. Okay. So, great. Just wanted to get that off our chest. Um, now that we're caught up to speed, Jordan,
3: how are you? I'm great. I'm really great. So, it's really nice to talk to you Yeah. Both. No,
1: you too. I mean, we, you and I have connected several times kind of throughout all of the stages of drive change. I think even before the, before there was a food truck that existed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably over a year ago was the first time we connected.
3: Almost, yeah, almost. Why
1: don't you just bring us up to speed? Um, you know, you gave us a little bit about your background, how you got involved in your project. I, I'd love to hear the evolution. And every time we talk, it's so great because you're in another stage. And I know the truck has been built at this point. Um, not yeah. sure if you're on the streets or not yet. I'm excited to hear about that.
3: Yeah, so let me, I'll, I'll, catch, you, I'll catch you up. Good. So we, we did build out our first food truck, which is called Snow Day. Uh, And Snow Day is going to launch on the New York City streets in the next two to three weeks. So we're very excited. Uh, We were able to negotiate a new kind of permit through the Department of Health and Mental Hygiene, which is really exciting for us, um, due in large part to the nature of our program. So we actually have a flexible restricted area permit, which allows us to be in any private lot that we can, in private or private property that we can negotiate. In the past, restricted area permits were really only for one designated location, but we've been able to really go in there and talk about the the shared value of having this program exist uh, for both the food truck market, mobile vending market, for the the Department of Health, and also for the ability to hire challenging to employ populations such as formerly incarcerated youth. And so we've now been in the stage of negotiating these private relationships and happy to say that we've been really like other uh, businesses and other lot owners have been so receptive to working with us. So we now have in, in, we have four locations that we know we're going to be uh, after the second week of February and we're negotiating a few more. But we are really, really excited and we're going to be in the World Trade Center. We're going to be in the Dumbo lot. We're going to be up in Harlem in a lot near La Marquetta. Uh, And we're also negotiating a position in Gowanus and a position in Chelsea as well.
2: Awesome. Wow. Great locations. Great, great program. Yeah.
1: You know, Jordan, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back with you to to keep it going. To interrogate you. Thanks so much. (laughs) Okay. We'll be right back with Jordan Lexton.
3: You are listening to Bang Bang Sun by Iggy Dean on heritageradionetwork.org.
0: Today's program is brought to you by Regional Access. Regional Access is a regional distributor committed to creating sustainable economies throughout the Northeast. This community-oriented company was built on a vision of providing ecologically responsible and ethically produced food to area consumers. During a typical week at the Regional Access warehouse, they help move thousands of pounds of natural and grass-fed meat, gallons of farm-fresh dairy, and tons of organic and specialty foods from producer to market. Having been in the distribution business for almost 25 years, Regional Access's experience and knowledge make them uniquely equipped to build out their region's food web. Up in the Finger Lakes, Regional Access will continue to champion the region's bounty and work toward a sustainable food system for the entire Northeast. For more information, visit regionalaccess.net.
1: We're back. You're listening to the morning after on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I do like me some IG Dean, and I do like me some Drive Change. Hi, Jordan. You still with us? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. Um, so let's pick up where we left off. You were just telling us about the amazing locations that your truck was going to be.
3: Yeah, and we're also still in the process of navigating some relationships. So if there are any private lot owners out there that would be interested in having our food truck Snow Day, which is a maple syrup themed food truck. Uh, be parked and located on their property any days of the week, then they can reach me at Jordan, J-O-R-D-Y-N, at N- uh, drivechangenyc.org. That would be great.
1: Okay. So, so let me just get this straight. Your truck is going to be parked in these locations as opposed to kind of just rolling around?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so a lot of the food trucks that you see out there have unrestricted... Area par- uh, area parking, and we have a restricted area permit, uh, which is due to the fact that there are no longer any unrestricted permits that are licensed through the department, Um, but we are also in a a circumstance where we know that we're working with young people and actually having a more set schedule Mm -hmm. where we know exactly where we're going to be operating every single week will help with the flow of our program. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we'll be parked in these locations um, and stay there through the majority of our service will go from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m.
1: So you're just gonna alternate at different locations throughout the week? Exactly. Okay, great, so we'll come to you.
3: <laughs> That's what we hope,
2: yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious in what capacity the, the, well, I don't know if they're all kids, but 16 to 18, the, the employees will be working. Will they be kind of manning the food truck? Will they be managerial capacity? What, what will they be doing exactly?
3: Yeah, so actually uh, our timeline is that with the launch of Snow Day, we're gonna run a soft launch for the truck. So for the first four to six months, we are going to really get our operations up and running. And we've partnered with the Doe Fund, which is an organization that works predominantly with homeless people, but also with formerly incarcerated people as well. So actually, they've recommended young people who are enrolled in their program and that we have hired to be the employees and work with us on the truck during these first four to six months uh, in exchange for some free kitchen space in their facility. Um, and so that will be the popula- the population of young people that we 'll be working with for the first four to six weeks will really be exactly uh, working on the truck itself, cooking positions, cashier management. Um, but then, once we are established, we run and operate a full eight-month reentry program, where we actually do the food safety and handler training. We do a mobile vendor license training, a hospitality training, and then we also allow for the young people in that reentry program to be our employees on our truck, uh, and they take on the different shifts and different roles for a four-month period of time. So during that time, we're actually teaching transferable skills in areas that relate to working on food trucks like social media and marketing, money management and accounting, and culinary arts itself. Wow. Um, so we're getting ready to really run the full program by this summer, and it's an eight-month reentry program.
1: And, Jordan, I remember, you know, when we were initially talking about this, there's there's some mentoring that goes on as well to really get these yeah, um, young absolutely. people. Yeah. You want to speak
3: about that? Yeah, so we are hoping to, in addition to our executive team, uh, we also are in the process of fundraising so that we can hire um, social workers to be mentors and counselors for the young people in our program, um, who will, along with some of the young people that we're hiring now, be supervisors on the truck itself, but then also provide both individual and group counseling um, for the young people in our program. We're also developing a curriculum that we're calling Sunday Supper, which really is about us all cooking and eating together, uh, where once a week we're going to be cooking and talking and then all eating together um, at a communal table. So we really do know that embedding those mentorship, uh, the, the, those mentorship elements into the program and creating that holistic approach is really essential to combating recidivism, which is the likelihood that someone is going to go back to jail or prison.
1: Yeah, and you would know because you've, you've worked with them in, in prison.
3: Yeah, I was a teacher on Rikers Island for three years and all too often saw, you know, too many of my students who were really full of potential recycling back into the system.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the truck. Um, Who's your chef?
3: Great question. So right now I have two chefs. Uh, Jared Spofford, who comes to us from the Marlowe & Sons conglomerate and also works for for, uh, Flying Pig Farm, which is a pig farm that's in the green market space. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also Chef Roy Waterman, who himself is a formerly incarcerated person who has become an entrepreneur and developed his own catering business. So they're both working together right now to really, you know, get our inventory, make our wholesale accounts, make connections, develop the menu, but then also develop the mentorship and culinary arts program for the young people in, the, in uh who will be enrolled.
1: Right. Um is your your menu is pretty fleshed out at this point I would think.
3: Yeah, it's really exciting. So we're using maple syrup as that central linking ingredient. The the menu was an inspiration, uh, a personal inspiration that I had as traveling in Canada where I had sugar on snow for the first time, (laughs) which is just fresh snow with hot maple syrup poured on top, which, like those, the temperature combinations, makes it a taffy. uh, And it's just the most remarkable, purest item. So we actually have a snow machine on our truck that allows us to make sugar on snow. You mean you you Uh, haven't been
1: storing it? Since the
2: polar yeah. vortex, <laughs> I was just gonna say, thank goodness it's a snow machine. I mean, you can't right, go outside and, and grab a
1: handful yeah, of New York, New York City, City snow. snow. Yeah, that's maple, not maple snow, not yellow snow. <laughs> the
3: health department likes us right now, right. but definitely <laughs> once we start doing that. Um, yeah, but then we wanted to really stretch, like what people think of when they think of maple syrup. Really inspired by chefs like Martin Picard and Hugh DeFore, and uh, you know, people who are using maple syrup with savory items as well. So mm-hmm. we're doing. Maple bacon brussels sprouts, a maple pulled pork uh, sliders, maple grilled cheese, and then also like a farro salad with a maple dijon dressing, as well as these little pancake balls called pancake poppers that we get to stuff with either savory or sweet items. So you changed the name. I, yeah, I changed the name. You know, <laughs> it's interesting. They're known as evil skeivers, Uh <laughs> which you know it, it, it's a bit of a tongue twister. Um, uh, but yeah, so maybe we're maybe we're uh, catering to our to our consumer a bit on that one but nothing wrong with that
1: (laughs) so is there any reason you picked maple as a theme other than you know like that that sense memory you had in your childhood eating that original snow
3: this is one of those things that is so cool about starting a business and recognizing that a coincidence can actually lead to such a great opportunity so it turns out that New York is a huge maple syrup producer and provider. I actually did not know that. I'm a native New Yorker, but you know, you think maple syrup, you do instinctively think New Hampshire, Vermont, Vermont. Yeah. Canada, and New York just never comes to mind. But well, as it turns New out, New kind of New York... forget about
1: the rest of the state. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the
3: the um, but it's really amazing because we're, we're able to work with these local maple producers to promote their local, to promote local brands and promote the local economy uh, and really get people to know in New York City that they can buy in-state and have this really great quality product. Um, and maple syrup is also a really versatile ingredient. That also doesn't go bad very easily. So when it comes to trying to cut back on our food waste, it's one of the only food items where you can heat it up to, you know, boil and then cool it down and it can be reused. So that's something that when we think about being a food truck and we think about really trying to cut back on our waste, maple syrup is a, is a great ingredient that way.
2: Wow. I think there's so many there's so many uh, ways to address this, or so many great things happening here. I love the fact that sort of you use everything that you're working with, but I also I know Sari banned my um, Latina <laughs> dialogue at it, top of the show, <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, <banned. laughs> but I'm going to bring it full circle. Do um, it. But I think this is also one of the remarkable things as I I hear about this because Sari introduced me to this to you um, just prior to my arrival here today at the radio station, but. Um, Is the fact that, you know, food trucks, really the history, I mean, I'm from California, so steeped in sort of street culture, Latin culture. I mean, they're mobile, so in and of themselves. But I think that there's a real connection here sometimes when you're thinking of sort of philanthropic programs, how to make the world a better place. Right, that part is lost, and in this case, you have young kids. They connect to the street culture. You know, you look at someone yep. like Dave Choi, for example, exactly, doing his yeah. sort of Korean Mexican combo out in Roy LA. Roy Choi, yeah. Or, sorry, Roy Choi. Uh, forgive me, but uh, who really is kind of you know he's an artist, he's a graffiti artist, he's a musician these kids connect to that. So you know, not only are you giving them skills, but you're also giving them something that they won't mock. And that's absolutely and like the
3: trucks, the trucks themselves, you know, the next one will have its own brand, its own identity evolve, hopefully out of the work we do with the young people where their creativity can be, uh, can be really seen in, in everything we do from our branding, from our logos to the way that we kind of present ourselves a hundred percent, you know, Twitter, Instagram, all these things that really, really are owned by young people uh, and I think are embodied in these food trucks and I and, and I believe like give them their life and their vibrancy mm-hmm. um, do you're right directly relate to the young people that we're working with
1: yeah amazing concept so
2: Great.
3: how
1: how are Customers who you know roll up to your truck and they're excited to eat some pulled pork sandwiches, how are you embedding your message of social change with the food or is there not is there a disconnect or are people who are eating the food understanding exactly you know where their money's going
3: that's a great question and one that we've wrestled with ourselves um, uh, so really we, we know, and this comes from evaluating other business models that are similar so all the sales from the truck are directly recycling back into our into our program and into our nonprofit but we are a for-profit nonprofit hybrid um, so, but it is really interesting and something we've thought about a lot. You know, we really think of ourselves as this quality, high-end food truck with a side of social justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we certainly don't want to kind of berate people over the head with a message while they maybe are trying to consume and enjoy their lunch. And really, for us, the main thing is about being like that next best, coolest, greatest food truck that you just want to find again and again and again and come back to. It's our it's our opportunity in the moment that you're having your exchange at our order line to really have such a great hospitality experience that you can't wait to come back to snow day. And I think that those subtle approaches are actually going to do more for changing the perception of what people have when they think of formerly incarcerated people. Um, but we are also going to be totally transparent uh, in the sense that, you know, if anyone asks or when we're writing about ourselves and talking about ourselves, we're 100% clear that, our, that this is the social mission because that is the heart of it. You know, that is the real reason at the end of the day that we are so committed to doing this. So, again, the food needs to speak for itself, and we don't necessarily need to have totally overt, you know, uh, oh, like this pulled pork sandwich that you're, that you're eating is uh, helping directly helping this, this one formerly incarcerated person, but at the same time, we are very clear that um, having subtly embedded in the quality of service and embedded a bit on some of our subtle packaging and our messaging, that we will be hinting at that larger social message.
1: That's great. Sure. Well, I'm all for transparency, unlike some other um, (laughs) corporate organizations that I won't name right now. We're actually going to break one more time to hear from sponsors, and then we'll be back with Jordan Lexton from Drive Change.
0: Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. You're listening
3: to Onions Milk by Iggy Dean on heritageradionetwork.org.
1: to the morning after we're back with jordan lexton from drive change hey jordan hi (laughs) welcome back thank you (laughs) and i've also had the lovely amanda cargill in studio with me today co-hosting because jesse kiefer left me all by myself (laughs) but we're holding it down we're doing okay (laughs) we're managing just barely (laughs) (laughs) so jordan i've been seeing a lot of you in the news lately
3: yeah, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, you know, it's re- it really is. And we're so grateful and so fortunate to have already had uh, a lot of wonderful exposure and interest in what we're doing. And you know, we just know for us that we can't wait to get out there and really be interacting with the public as well. Yeah, um, but you yeah, were on we, ABC, weren't you? We were on MSNBC. We were on the Melissa Harris Perry show, which was unbelievable, and she was unbelievable. It was such a great experience for us and then we were recently on uh an early morning show on abc uh and very exciting news is that we will be in the innovation edition of edible um this spring hey. so that's oh, wow. really really cool and really exciting that is very uh, cool. And we
1: love our friends at edible yeah.
3: they're amazing mm-hmm. they're amazing um uh, so we're thrilled about that uh and yeah no it's really it's and obviously being on heritage is such a thrill for us well, too obviously. so <laughs> no, the it really is it's great and <laughs> and and it really i think is um I, I think it shows that you know this is something that the customers and consumers are interested in is how food can also do good
1: i think so i think mm-hmm. it makes it taste that much better yeah mm-hmm. the word is out um so jordan tell us how we can get involved how we can keep in touch find out where your locations are going to be come eat your yes. brussels sprouts
3: <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you can uh, learn uh, more about our locations on either of our websites. One is for Drive Change, and it's drivechangenyc.org, and you can follow us at drivechangenyc on Twitter. Uh, the same goes for Snow Day, and it's snowdayfoodtruck.com and at snowdaytruck.com uh which will both have the locations up for when we are established and out there. Um come get your maple grilled cheese, come get your sugar on snow and really it's gonna be a wonderful experience to be interacting with the crowd. Um we also too are are you know working with volunteers all the time and always accepting donations to really support our program. We still have more money to raise before we can really run the full eight month reentry program. So Uh, that's a huge thing for us, and it's a tax-exempt donation. Uh, You can do that right on our website as well. But those are really the best ways to, to be in touch. Are you going to be
1: doing another Kickstarter? I know your first one went so well.
3: It went great. Yeah, we actually did Indiegogo the first time sorry, around, yeah. and we no, yeah, we raised a little over forty thousand dollars, wow. which is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it was really great. Um, and there are some plans. Uh, we've been we've been really keeping a lot of content, especially throughout the whole build of the truck. Uh, and so once we also start doing the service, getting getting some more video content on that as well, I think would be a great, a great uh, way to combine, combine some material and put it together for a crowdfunding effort, for sure. Um, but we also have the capacity to apply for foundations and grants because of our 501c3 affiliation. So that's a really exciting thing, too. And we can also accept uh, donations from food businesses as well, which helps, obviously, keep our costs lower so that we can have a, a larger amount of the proceeds be going back to the actual program.
1: Yeah. I'm guessing you've made friends with some maple syrup farmers.
3: <laughs> we have, we have. They've been amazing and wonderful.
1: That's great. And you guys have a Facebook page as well? Yep. Okay.
3: We have, <laughs> yep, we have a Facebook page, uh, which is also Drive Change on Facebook and um, Snow Day uh. Tr- a truck as well cool
1: and it's the second week in february that we can expect to be seeing the trucks that's where that's what we're going
3: for yeah okay. second okay. week of february that's, so, c- that's right around uh, the corner not, not yeah not far away at all we're yeah. really getting excited about it
1: good i'm excited cool. too we'll, we'll be there
3: yeah. <laughs> good <laughs> yeah yeah. in line it's <laughs> <laughs> literally
1: <laughs> it's just been so cool to be in touch with you and and be with you on this whole trajectory and journey and i'm so excited to Finally, you know, see the truck in person and and taste the maple syrup, everything. And really, it's uh, such a pleasure to always hear from you. And I I really just admire you and love everything about what you're doing, which I've changed, Jordan.
3: Well, thank you, because it really matters so much to have this kind of uh, support and investment. And it's been great to share all of this with you as well.
1: Yeah. Good. Um, Well, I want to thank you. For being on the show today, it was an honor and a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Thank you I, so much. Yeah. yeah, and thank you to Amanda Cargill from oh, Latina, you. from Latina, La. <laughs> <laughs> for being a wonderful standing co-host. And Jesse Kiefer, I miss you, and I will see you soon. And Dad, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks to you all. Thanks Happy so much. Sunday. Happy Sunday. You'll to Sunday. the morning thanks after. So much, Stay okay. warm. Bye, Bye Jordan.
3: Jordan. Bye. <laughs>